All right, hello and welcome to Drafting the Dregs. This is your place for all things EPL Draft Fantasy. We have the usuals with us today. So we've got Gilby, we've got Dave, and we've got Mick. Gentlemen, game week one is done and dusted. Um, Could you please, just with uh, three words, just sum up how content you are with your current score? Where are we at? Gilby, three words. Come on, let's go. Oh, it'd be handy if I could hear you, Gilby. Very average start. Oh, okay. Very average start. Uh, Dave? Uh, Content, frustrated, and optimistic. All right. Mick? First pick, baby. Uh, and I'll, uh, mine is very, I'm a very happy boy at this point in time. So, look, that that gives you an insight into where we might be going this particular podcast. But um, what we will do, we we like to have a bit of a chat, just uh, you know, our moments of the week, things that we saw that we really, uh, you know, caught our eye that we thought were maybe a, a good way to start the podcast and talk about. So, I'm going to segue maybe to. Uh, this became a very common theme of last year's podcast where we like to talk to Gilby about all things United. So we're going to go there first. Now, my question to you, Gilby, is I currently own Martial. How quickly, if I'm presented with the opportunity, should I jump to an Adovich? Um <laughs> How quickly should I make that trade happen? Could, could you oh, enlighten us? Well, I've seen that Bologna have since come out and said that they're not selling him. So, I mean, more transfer <laughs> mastery from Manchester United. Um, I mean, I think last year we bought Agalo from China on deadline day. So, I mean, look for look for some random striker to be linked with us in the next couple of weeks. I mean, that would be fun legend. for everybody. Watford yeah, legend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, I don't know where you start. Um I see a lot of people um, basically saying, well, I think even Ten Hag himself was pretty honest and said he thought he got it wrong by selecting Ericsson up front as a false nine. Uh, He probably should have uh, bitten the bullet and selected CR7 from the start, even though he really didn't want to. He didn't think he was fit enough, all that sort of stuff. So I'm expecting Ronaldo to start next week. Whether or not he's around in September, who knows? But, I mean, that's the first season. I feel like our season probably isn't going to start, at least as far as the Ten Hag regime goes, until September. Because if Ronaldo's here, the team needs to go one way. If he's not, then the team needs to go another way. So the Marshall saga, like for you, for me, I have Ronaldo. Uh, as far as Manchester United's season's going, it's just treading water at the moment. So it's... People will tell you they're certain that we're going to go terribly or certain we're going to go great. No one knows at this point. Um, yeah. I mean, watching us play, we just looked lost again. Uh, when Ronaldo came on, we looked better, but from a very, very low bar to jump over. Um, so it's a mess at the moment, and it's been a mess for a long time. It's going to take a long time for us to fix it. I, I feel like United should have known for quite some time that their key areas were their forwards and their defensive midfield. So the fact that haven't strengthened in either of those areas is quite um, hard to believe, or maybe currently with how United are going um, on form. Yeah, no, I feel like we, I mean, they've pretty much come out and said that De Jong is our guy that we want to have. And Ten Hag has come out and said basically that 
if he doesn't get who he wants, which is more or less uh, De Jong, he's going to work with the players we have, which means that we have another season of Mick Fred coming up um, if we <laughs> don't get anything else. So uh, I do really like Tin Hag. He seems like a very good manager. Um, whether or not he's going to have the time if we're sitting in 8th, 9th or 10th December, I, I really hope so. Um, we have shown some signs that we're biting the bullet. Like there was a story that came out at the beginning of the season. Uh, Murtag, John Murtag, our new football director, um, he'd been getting like a lot of pretty much pretty direct questioning bordering on hate from some supporters. And he actually organized with a group of supporters and he met them at the pub. Um, and they, he basically came out and just was like really full and said like, look, this is a giant mess. We owe this much money. We owe, we need to pay this much money to rebuild the stadium. It's going to take a long time. We needed to be with us. And he was honest about it and said, look, we've screwed up the last five, arguably 10 years, and it's going to be a long-term project to fix it. Wow. Well, at least there's some honesty there. I mean, it's interesting when the, the pundits, especially the x Men U pundits now, um, are just... Uh, instead of slating the club just like none of this surprises us anymore we've got nothing to say about it other than what we've already said so you can sort of see the frustration there but just the acceptance that well this is what it is now and we just have to wait and move forward and hope that Ten Hag can work somewhat something of a miracle realistically but um, so Anatovich seems off the table uh, at this point in time, is there any other links that we've heard or is it sort of going to run cold until maybe the final week of the transfer period? Uh, I'm not sure I trust our transfer team to do any particularly great moves. Um, I mean, uh, they, they, I do like Malasia. I think he'll be very good for us. Um, I think Ericsson's been very, very good. I mean, a free transfer. I really, love, I really liked Ericsson for a long time. I think he's great. Um, but, I mean, our problem area is the centre midfield and up front. So if we don't get De Jong, then we're going to be in for a pretty long at least till Christmas, whether or not anyone else is available. But I mean, even the De Jong saga, like it seems like Barca are publicly saying they want him, but privately are saying, please go so we can register our five new signings. Because I'm not sure if you boys saw during the week that mm. according to most reports, the Ligo said we're not registering new signings because you can't afford yeah. them. So I saw <laughs> something fresh on that today, Gilby. Uh, so yeah, they La Liga obviously, like you said, won't registering their signings but uh today the current barcelona board uh basically insinuating that the previous board um and their contract um with frankie de jong there was something illegal in that contract so they're now going down a legal route to try and get his contract with them null and void so that he can be off the books they don't have to pay him out, and yeah, it's extremely messy. Oh, Gilby, you're gone again, mate. Speaking of giant clubs that have turned into a disaster, um, how you can turn Barcelona and their academy, led by Messi, into this big of a mess? I think it's a contest between us and Barcelona as to who's 
produced the most gigantic screw up in the last five, 10 years. But is that and... part of the problem though? Like those clubs back in the day relied on their academies, like Man United brought so many young players through it of a high quality. You don't yep. see that anymore. You see them just wanting to go out and purchase players yeah, like well, at really that's, crazy that's what, prices. That's what Barcelona did. Like they went away from their academy and tried to turn into Galacticos. I mean, we've had for four, is it? five different managers now since Ferguson and each one has come in and wanted their signings. So we signed four players for this manager and then he gets fired and we sign another four players for this manager and it's just been a mess. So yeah, I mean, it's going to be a while. I think I'm really hoping it doesn't take us as long as our old friend Jeff's Liverpool to get back to somewhere near the top of the table again, but it's going to be painful. I just get the sense that, man, you have like some guy stored or like hidden away uh, with an old IBM computer trying to like data crunch some some numbers to try and find players. Like, well, honestly, well, couldn't I, I feel like, Gilby, that yourself, must, me and Mick could probably do a better job than whoever they've got looking at those numbers at this point in time. Well, well, two things there. Um, your old mate, Juan Basaka, that we signed from Palace. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that Manchester United came out and said when we signed him is that we are so great. We had a short list of 500 right backs and he is the top list or one on our list. So uh, I don't know how you can have a short list of 500 right backs that you want to sign for your club and why that would make you any good. But anyway, um, what would I know? Um, and like, uh, one of the things I do, I'm a, I'm a football manager fan. I love that game. Um, and every time I play football manager, one of the saves I do is a short-term one for Manchester United to fix them. And yeah, I mean, <laughs> it doesn't take me long. I mean, why should it take anyone else that long? <laughs> in in Wambasaka's defense, I think the criteria was young English. I think that's expensive. And, yeah, and and premium price because he's young and English. Um, you know, great one-on-one defender, but still has a lot to learn realistically, even when he went to the club about positioning and, you know, how, like his, his, what he needs to do in attack and all those sorts of things, positioning in that sense as well. So, yeah, it's a bit of a sad story, poor old United, but that's where we are. Do you are. want some more good news, Gilby? Oh, here we go. Oh, can't wait, Dave. <laughs> fresh, fresh off the uh, ever-reliable Twitter feed from... What, the sun? I don't know, Gilham de Melo, oh. Portugal, Portugal flag, <laughs> never heard of him. Um, anyway, trending. Uh, apparently, Rabio is highly unlikely to end up going to Man U uh, because according to his mother, he only has one friend in the squad and she is demanding that if United want him, they should be signing one of his friends as well. So that's that's good What's, news for you, right? In, in fairness, his, his, his mother, yes, his mother his is mother his Asian. Yes. Oh my goodness me, <laughs> that, that's up there with that's up there with Wander Akadi managing Maro Akadi. Oh in, my in, goodness me! I, I saw it, and going back to the whole transfer policy, I saw some stats about Rabiot. Um, he statistically, in terms of forward progression passes and um, goal scoring opportunities, big chances created, he is so far behind the power curve in terms of elite midfielders. And, and, the, and, well, the other thing I would say is if you can't produce a goal threat playing for PSG in the French League, then there's something wrong. I mean, really, uh, because... I Gilby felt... definitely could. Even as <laughs> well, a deep-flying midfielder, Gilby, you'd, you'd be all over that. 
100%. There was a one of the football manager streamers that I follow, a guy who gets a lot of – he did a challenge where he streamed live playing as the PSG manager, and the rules was he couldn't end the stream until he'd lost a match playing as a PSG manager. And last I checked, I haven't actually watched it yet. It popped off in my suggest feeds. He'd been gone for 24 hours. So, <laughs> so like, yeah, the the PSG team is so far ahead of the French league. It's not funny. I think we all know why. Uh, it might have something to do with unlimited oil cash. But, yeah, anyway, that's, um, I don't know, if we're looking at Rabiot, Jesus. <laughs> Well, hey, you you got to sign somebody for an exorbitant amount of money who's going to fail, so may as well be him. Um, well, honestly, I wouldn't mind seeing us say, right, we know this is going to take a long time. We're going to give Ghana and Ganacho and Majbury and some of our young players some more game time because Ten Hag has shown he's good at bringing through young players. I wouldn't mind seeing it and saying, yeah, we know we're way behind City and Liverpool. We're not going to compete with that. Um, we're going to say, right, we're going to win in 2026, all right? And we're going to say these are our players, but I doubt Manchester United are going to have that patience. And the Champions are good league anyway, isn't it, Mick? Like, it's fun to watch, so, you know. There are some cracking goals, if I don't say so myself. A few years in the Championship, do like your old mate, uh, those guys over at Leeds, and, you know, you'll be back in, what, 20 years, Gilby? Well, I mean, wouldn't that lead us to the next moment of the week we're going to talk about, Dave, with oh, your friend Jamal you Lassar, if you want to introduce that? Hey, Isaac's the host. No, no, I think that was a beautiful segue. The only thing that's spoilt it now is the fact that we've spoken about the segue. But continue, please, Dave, please. So my moment of the week, <laughs> week is uh, a cracking goal from Watford legend Ishmael Lassar. He was uh, in, wow. inside his own half. I'm sure Mick watched it, being a West Brom fan um, at the Hawthorns. And, yeah, scored from inside his own half over the keeper's head, uh, only to do the absolute perfect Watford follow-up by missing a penalty by just dribbling it straight down the middle at the keeper. And, yeah, it was never a chance of going in. So, yeah, that was fun. <laughs> what was the end result of the game? Like, w- w- one did they win anyway? Oh, one or oh, so it w- did, would have actually had a bearing on the result. Yeah. Um, oh man. West Brom had thirty-one crosses in the game, twenty-four from uh, one single player, um, wow. and they absolutely annihilated them. Um, we're going to have a bit of a chat about it later, but uh, the XG for that game was something like three to one point two. But when point eight of that is a single penalty, um, it's uh, pretty pretty impressive that West Brom statistically dominated. Um, I believe Bachman, the keeper, just had a cracking game. I only saw a bit of the second half. Um, he had a cracking game, but we just didn't have the quality to finish, unfortunately. So one yeah. all, two one all draws for us. But hey, we haven't lost yet. And see, we. We've got a lovely group chat for this wonderful podcast po- podcast slash live stream. So for anyone um, who wants to jump on YouTube now, feel feel free to. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast, it's probably too late, but you could still look and, and, and watch us as we talk about this stuff on YouTube. But um, Mick, you said in that group chat that, well, he's hit a goal with an XG of 0.01 and missed a penalty with an XG of 0.76. So that does beg the question uh, and... 
I know we've probably covered it before, but XG, what what are we saying this XG actually is? What what does it tell us about these particular um, threats and these particular chances? It, basically, it's it's a statistical, I guess, analysis of where a shot is taken from. Um, I don't know, depending on, I guess, who who's doing the stats, it doesn't take into account the quality of opposition. Um, I don't know if it even really accounts for positioning of opposition. Um, but it basically says, okay, so from the penalty spot, you're expected to score, I think, somewhere between 0. 0.76 and 0.79% of times. So assuming out of 100, you would score 79 of them. So they give you 79% of one goal. So across the entire game, if you take 100 penalty shots, you get a 79 goals, roughly. So what you can do is you can... That'd be that like that, what was it, Sierra Leone? Yeah. Playoffs? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that, yeah. Must, that might have been Pretty much. That was yeah. it. Um, so that, that's basically a way of dictating or having a look at, I guess, rather than just 10 shots to one, well, if one team had a penalty and the other 10 were all from their own half, well, you would expect the team with one shot to actually win. So what, what gets confusing with that, though, is because it doesn't take into account who's taking the shot or the quality of opposition or anything like that, is, and I'm seeing more about it nowadays, about XG overachievers um, and XG underachievers. So a, a good example would be uh, Early Haaland or Kevin De Bruyne, and a lot of the Man City players, because of the quality of those players, from a single spot on the field, you would generally expect, while the average across all the professional leagues might be 0.5, so you, add, uh, you attribute a 0.5 XG to that goal, for those players, they probably score 60% of them. So it's a little bit hard to kind of sometimes look at it. You can look at XG as, okay, Salah has 20 expected goals, but he scored 24, well, he's overachieved. It, the question is, is that Salah because he's better than the average player? I would argue yes. Or is it he gets into better positions or takes the most of it? So th there's a few ways to look at it. You can really, it's like any data, if you can skew it a way that suits what you want it to say. Um, but it, it's, I guess it's a way generally, I guess, across the board, it's a way to kind of look at who dominated a game with more depth than just who had more shots. It takes into account where the shots were from, the positions, the angles, and everything along those lines. So, um, and I was having a quick look a second ago at last year's uh, Premier League table. So Manchester City did score 99 goals. They had an expected goal count of 93.4. So they actually scored 5.6 more goals than expected. Um, and then you know, on the flip side, you go right down to the bottom. Uh, Norwich scored 23. They had an expected goal of 31.5. So they actually scored eight goals less than they expected. So you could, uh, you could, I guess, look at it a few ways was, is Pookie not as clinical a finisher? Or is it the quality of the opposition that got in the way to prevent those high quality chances going in? Um, when you do look at the entire table, though, it does have the general trend of the teams at the top overachieve, the teams at the bottom underachieve. Um, interestingly, though, generally the expected goals against is pretty even, with the exception of Man City doesn't have to play itself, so they're slightly better off because the other teams don't quite play to the same level. So it's it's an interesting statistic. It's I'm only going to become more and more popular. We were just talking before you came on that it's now in a lot of the uh, football managers and FIFAs and those types of games. Um, and just about every app I think that does stats now has XG of some kind. Um, but it's something to look at and try. It, it's a good indicator of, I guess, involvement and form and whether someone's playing really well and 
whether it's something they've statistically done throughout their entire career. Um, I think Jack, a great example of Prem, Jamie Vardy. He's one of those guys that just always seems to take the chances that get presented to him. Um, so I dare say he would be a significant overachiever in terms of his expected goals. Yeah. And so, like, if you're ever looking at data, like, where certain sites are predicting how many FPL points um, players are going to get throughout the season, I imagine they're using that X goal, X assist data, you know, all, all that sort of stuff to actually feed into that to get a, an idea. So, and, you know, a lot of people do that when they're picking their teams, even drafting. Um, you know, I, I looked at that data as well. So I think that's a, it's an important thing to maybe have a, have a think about and see how it best works for you. Um, and as Mick said, you know, you can take it a few different ways. So it's just about looking at the data and deciding for yourself how it works in terms of how you like to use data. So thank you very much for that, Mick. Boys, was there anything else we wanted to talk about moment of the week-wise or do, you, have we, do we think we've covered most of it? I'll just add one thing in a little, a little comment, continuing on for Erling Haaland. Did anyone see Alan Shearer's tweet? Something along the lines of, oh, I heard start about Erling, only 258 to go, which <laughs> honestly at this rate, I... I wouldn't surprise me if he actually gets close to that if he stays in the prem. He's only twenty one, isn't he? Like if he if he stays off the treatment table. Yes. There is that, of course. I don't know. Did you did any of you guys actually watch the game or watch the highlights of him play? I watched I watched the extended highlights. highlights. Um it does look like um we talked about this last time whether City would change more to suit him or whether he had to change more to suit City. It does look like City is changing a bit more to suit him. Um, they were a lot more willing to play the balls in behind. The goal he scored was De Bruyne playing a ball in behind, whereas before, most of the time, that ball would be going sideways or to a striker coming to like a false nine sort of position. Yeah. So it does look like they're a lot more willing to accommodate those runs in behind. Um, so, I mean, great news for you holding Harland and anyone else out there holding him. The scary thing is, like, City can do everything now. Like, everything. And watching him play in particular, like, him chasing a ball down is just scary. Like, that he's, guy he's a is... Big, he's a oh big Oh, my kid. goodness. Like, like he's well, I saw, I'm not sure if you saw Dave. Um, they actually measured him. He's grown since he arrived at City. Um, he's taller than he was when he first arrived. So... Oh. I mean, who knows if if his body can hold up? As we say, like he could be up there with some of our greatest goal scorers, nearly ever. His body holds up playing that City yeah. team. Um, I, I really do. I mean, like he's playing for City. Obviously, I'm a United supporter. I love Manchester. I do well, but I do. I would love to see him um, at playing at 100% in full flight. Yeah. No, absolutely. It was just just a scary proposition for any defense in the league. Was... Like. But the highlights show that I watched had Owen Hargraves on and yeah, basically same thing. Gilby is like, you know, Manchester United player and whatever, but he said, he's just going to enjoy watching this kid. But some of the analysis around it was, you know, quite interesting. They're putting these through balls through which Man City and Pep teams have never really been known for in the past. He's got the pace to well first of all they've got the midfielders to be able to play those pinpoint passes um he's got the pace to turn around a defense so the teams that they're about to play are now going to be sitting back just opening up more space for the likes of de bruyne in the middle they're going to be 
yeah, they're going to be incredible. Yeah, and like even such an even bigger threat on transition now as well, because he has that pace to be able to get through the line if he needs to, or he can just hold the ball up, wait for somebody else, pass it off, and then go again. Like it's just insane. Is that it's it's hardly it's almost like it's not fair that they've got this player as well as everyone else they've got in their yeah, well, squad. Mate, as, as much as much as I dislike Piers Morgan for a number of different reasons, um, his thing before the season was the best manager in the league being Pep. The bet whether that's whether he is or not is up for debate, but this is his tweet. He said, best manager in the league, Pep, best player in the league, De Bruyne, best young player in the world, best arguably best striker in the world at the moment, Haaland. I mean, to a team that scored 199 goals, I think Mick said. I mean, if they can put it together, I mean, it's one round in, and <laughs> we were talking before how everyone's reacting real quick to different things. Mm-hmm. Um, 37 rounds to go. So, but yeah, I mean, really good signs first up. Absolutely. And I think it's time we look at our table. So, um, last week we had some audio issues when we were showing. Uh, Certain things we shouldn't today, but for um, Dave's mum, who I know is listening online, finally figured out how to click on the YouTube link and and put the headphones in. Uh, please let us know if there is an issue, but it should be fine, fingers crossed. Um, what we'll do, we will have a look at the table. So going now, uh, we've got, after one week on top, is myself, uh, 53 points. We've got in second, Nathan. 45 points. Jeff in third place, 44. Dave on 30, oh, sorry, on 43. Dan, 42. Um, Gilby, 41 points. Now, you seemed a bit underwhelmed by it, but considering you're only, what, four points off second, that's not a bad place to be. I I don't think you get a a pretty uh, close sort of free agent transfer if you want it. We'll, we'll talk about that as we go through. Uh, Craney, the new boy, uh, 34 points. Uh, and then we've got Ben, who was the wooden spoon last year, as he so uh, kindly reminds us with his name, 27 points. And Mick, 24 points. So it might be wise to start with Mick. Uh, 24 points. Was that a potential um, tank on your behalf to try and get some uh, – some some really really good free agents into your team is that what the yeah. what the thought process was there absolutely <laughs> um when your entire back five combined for four points especially when one of those is your first draft pick uh, it doesn't help um when you well, have a look at the team Fulham, now yeah when you bench Fulham striker against Liverpool and he scores a double for 13 points it also doesn't help um when your sixth-round pick midfielder does his knee and gets ruled out for three weeks, hurts. And when you're safe, I mentioned last week I wanted to pick up Harry Maguire and I didn't. I went for the safe Connor Cody. Apparently, he's now out of the Wolves team. He has signed for Everton, who have just had congratulations. Two, yeah, but they've just had two bad injuries to centre backs. Yep. Um, so at least he's, I would assume, guaranteed to start. But it's Everton, um, so it's not exactly as as solid defensively as Wolves were, particularly towards the back end of last year. Yeah. Yeah. So that doesn't help. So, I mean, I did get a few points from Saka and Wilson. So that helped. Half your points actually, to be honest. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So there's six and six. So 
Apart from that, appearance points for Sancho, Bailey, Neto, um, and then one point from Alexander Arnold, Tierney, Cash, Jansen, De Gea, and Rodax. Even my bench goalie only got one point. So across my two goalies and five defenders, I got six points. If you're happy to um, just part ways with one of those defenders, I'll take TAA off your hands for you. I'm happy to. <laughs> nah, I think I'll hold on. It, it's That's the one thing I'm really trying to uh, remind myself is it's particularly, and I said this the other week, is TAA is the long game. It's not He's not going to haul really ever. He's the guy that hopefully will pick up clean sheets maybe across 10 to 15 games throughout the year and maybe get somewhere between five and 15 assists throughout the year, maybe a, a sneaky goal. Um, so hopefully across somewhere between 15 and 25 to 30 games, he'll get more than just appearance points. So, and I, I can't see them losing for losing points for two goals very often. Um, so the, anyway, that's where that is. Gilby, you're having a great night with your mic, mate. Nah, still. Nope. No. <laughs> we'll we'll let Gilby figure out what's going on there. But Mick, I had a couple of questions. So you you have the uh honor of getting the, the first pick in the free agent pool coming up, the mm. first one of the season. So what areas are you looking to strengthen at this point in time? Well, yeah. Um <laughs> oh. I mean my two forwards, Wilson and Mitrovic, I'm happy with. And yep. especially when, yes, my uh, my third striker, Awanee, came off the bench, which I think was a little bit unexpected. Um, it's There's no one really to replace. So he's a new signing. I would say yep. maybe throughout the season you might start. I'm in no rush to really replace that. Um, yep. I still look, I look at my mids and particularly for this coming week, their matchups are okay. Like, it's not like they're horrific. I don't know if there's really anyone better for me to take. And then my back line, like I said, Cody's now going to be at Everton. Um, Tierney's the one that's really kind of, I'm not sure about, particularly with how well Zinchenko played. Um, the only game I actually got to watch on the weekend was Palace Arsenal, the early one, the first game of the season. Um, and Zinchenko, yeah. I mean, after that performance, I can't see Tierney starting. Um, the only way is if, they do, like was rumoured, they move uh, Zinchenko into a more central midfield type role and Tini goes into left back. Um, but while Thomas Partey is still allowed to be on the field, um, him and Jacques, I assume, will be holding that kind of double pivot kind of role. Um, I yeah. don't see that changing anytime soon. So I'm allegedly. kind of... Yeah, he, allegedly, he's yeah. allegedly on the field. While he's allegedly yeah. on the field... Well, just allegedly. I'm just gonna. I, I think we just need to like you know star that with allegedly everywhere just to cover ourselves because I mean this is a really really notable podcast slash live stream that lots and lots of people watch. Yeah, allegedly. So, allegedly, yeah. So I, I guess that's where I'm at. The the only thing potentially I'll be looking at dropping Tierney, um, and then Harvey Barnes is a bit of a tough one. What's making me want to stay i think that's coming through uh, gilby can't hear me anyway his headphones are off how good <laughs> i think you're good gilby i think you're working again all right testing yeah yes yeah, there we go. okay here we go i got a question for you with harvey barnes though Mick. Right, go for it. <laughs> you you slated me last season for hanging mm. on to an injured player um <laughs> okay. 
what are you going to do with Harvey Barnes? Well, he's currently, from what I've read, he's expected to be two to three weeks. Yeah, now, so wait wait till game week 36 before you answer your big question. <laughs> so oh, it, it's a tough one. Um, the mm. thing that's making me reluctant to drop him straight away is, A, he was high up. I think I took him around seven or eight. Um, it might have been. So yeah. relatively early in terms of my mids, he would have been my third or third or fourth, third bid, I think. Outside of that is they have no forwards. They've signed no one. So I would expect once he is fit, he'll come straight back into the team. So the the exception, because they've got, I think it's uh, Madison, Vardy, Dewsbury Hall. Um, despite them having, I, I believe still Ayanacho and Daka. Did Ayanacho yeah. leave at all? No. So they've still got yeah. three strikers, but they're still not playing almost, the two up top. I almost went with Dakar. Um, I think he may well be playing a fair bit this season. Based purely off their squad numbers, you would think they almost have to play two strikers just to have people playing in their correct position. Um, so that, that one's making me tempted to hold on to Barnes. The, the other thing for me is their fixtures for the first part of the season are pretty good. So I think it's worth me trying to hold rather than giving up. This is from what I remember. I could be very wrong. Um, I've got it here, so I'll have a quick yeah. look. But they've... It's definitely oh, sorry, a monitor. Sorry, they've got Arsenal, Southampton, Chelsea. So assuming they miss, he misses, say, even the next three, after that, they've got Man U, easy game, Brighton, Villa, Spurs, but then Forest, Bournemouth, Palace, Leeds, Wolves. So they've got a really good run there. So I guess, assuming I don't play him for the hard games... Hopefully that means the rest of my midfielders have better games. I can cover that temporarily. Um, but what- let me give you a scenario, Mick, before yep. you keep going on it. What, what if in the next two game weeks you score a combined forty points to go with your twenty-four? At that point in time, are you are you gonna think, well, okay, I need to start picking up points here. I, uh, maybe I do need to get rid of him, or are you gonna look elsewhere in your squad still? The benefit to being last right now is I have first priority in the waiver. So if that happens, again, while the transfer window is still open, I'm probably more willing to play the Thomas long game. Thomas the tank engine. Sorry, well, I mean... Not necessarily tank, but... <laughs> Dave agrees. <laughs> Sorry. In, in saying know, that, I know. You, you look at the... That extra player we have, which only it's only five extra mids that are out of the game. But that's actually made a huge dent, particularly in the yeah. forwards in our draft. There are massive. no forwards left over. Yep. Now, that's where it's potentially interesting. Having first pick, while I'm ha- relatively happy with where my team at, I know there's other people in our league who have certain lines of their teams that are very weak and they need improving. So... While I hold that slot, if there is a decent, good to decent transfer that comes into the league, I will be picking that person up, not for myself, but purely to try to get something in return. And that's kind of what I'm more likely to do. The unfortunate thing is, is I believe it's 30th of August, 31st of August, I think the window changes or swaps, still three and a bit weeks. So likelihood of there being a transfer between now and then not great but i am 20 points behind mid table already so chances are i'll have a top three or four pick for the next three weeks um good news is i'm only 30 behind first and there's 37 weeks so i only need to make up 0.7 points a week 
You got this, Mick. I believe in you. I, I think I remember you doing this maths last season, Mick, and saying, <laughs> like, five points a week, I got this. Like, I'm pretty sure I said it to you, and I did catch you, didn't I? <laughs> oh, snap. Ooh, I'm pretty it certain is. it was for Nate, and um, we were saying, like, how far it would take to catch him, but it may well have been me, and yeah, good on you. Well, I really look forward, Mick, to you picking up an Adovich and then trying to trade him to Gilby. I think that's going to be an absolute cracker of an episode Can when that I happens. Just, um jump in before we move off the barns and yeah, yeah, yeah. Comment. Um, again on the highlights show that I was watching uh, there were some very strong rumors and this pertained to myself as well because I have T elements but there were some strong rumors that Leicester are in a very poor financial situation hence why they haven't replaced Schmeichel and they were happy to sell him uh, there are also rumours that uh, Madison and T. Elements are both um, up for sale should a good offer come in. Um, so that'll obviously have an impact on Harvey Barnes and Dewsbury Hall as well. Yeah, they could be absolutely gutted. So in terms of... Yes. You'd think that would have to happen quite quickly because they'd still want to get some replacements in to cover those bodies. Depending on how bad these financial situations apparently yeah, may or may not be. Allegedly. There's got to be no way Allegedly. they stay out. If, if they lose Madison, if they lose Tielemans, Fafana's looks all but gone to Chelsea yep, as well. That's the other one as well, yeah. Ricardo Pereira's gone for a significant amount of time through injury. February. Um, they wanted to sell Castagne to make money, which now they can't because they've got to hold him on to play right back. Um, and I'm pretty sure Vestergaard has been rumoured to join a few other teams as well. Like, they're literally going to be fielding their under-21s team. Like, who, who on earth are they still going to have? Barty. Harvey, that's all Harvey they Barnes. They'll have Harvey <laughs> Barnes and you'll hold on to him and you'll play him regardless, whether he's injured or not. For, having 14 players can still get you sixth, right? That's an improvement from yeah. where I am now. <laughs> anyway, feel free to move on now. For, for, for anyone at home, that's another slate on Gilby. That's two for the for the, this particular episode. So we'll keep a tally, see where we get to at the end. Um, uh, I'm keeping score to the end of the season. No, no. Oh, to the end of the season. Wow. That's, oh, that's ambitious. Have you got enough paper? Uh, anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> that's three. Um, so... I apologize, Gilby. That wasn't called for. I, do, do you reckon we could have more goes know. at Gilby than Calvert Lewin got points last year? Oh, no. That's pretty easy. <laughs> I'm up to that's, five. That's a low um, bar. Anything to say, Gilby? <laughs> oh, I'm just waiting to see until the end of the season. I'll keep I'll keep track of all this. I'll remember it. And okay. it worked well for Nathan last year. Let's be honest. The, the the whole you know keep it banked up and then you know use it as ammunition. Hey, it works. It works. We've all been there. Well, let's have a look at eighth now. So that was Mick. We'll have a, what we'll do for the other managers. You know, we'll have a quick chat. What we might try and do for them is just say sort of say who are their standout performers, where they need to strengthen. If we just sort of go down that line, then you know then we may not be here for two hours. So we'll sort of we'll we'll feel it out. We'll see how we go. But we'll have a look at uh, at Ben who 27 points. So it was only three points better than Mick. So we'll have a pretty good free agent trade if we just have a look at his particular team at the moment. So I'll, I'll start with the standout performers. Thiago Silva, obviously, with that 1-0 victory over uh, Everton. Um, 
And realistically, then it was just appearance points and a couple of sheet, clean sheet points other than Cancelo, who got seven points. I think he got a bonus point in there with a clean sheet. Sterling and Grealish with, uh, you know, shutout points, but just appearance points. So nothing massive to write home about. He got it right that Firmino started, uh, but unfortunately, Firmino only played the 50 minutes. So only got the the one point, which is a bit of a shame. So Dave, if we, if we look at his team, if we have a look, uh, I don't know if you boys have that particular um, sheet up as well. Yep. Sort of where does he need to consider strengthening, considering he's got the second pick in the free agency? Uh, I don't mind his defense. Um, Allison, you know, long term will get you points. Cancelo, great. Thiago Silva, uh, there's always a question around Chelsea defense, not only how leaky it'll be, but who'll actually be playing where. Um, but for the time being, reasonable. Um, and then Davies and Walker Peters. I probably won't include Maguire in this for obvious reasons, but his defense is quite reasonable. Um, his forwards concern me, but in a good way because I have um, Darwin Nunes. So the fact that Firmino only played 50 minutes and then was subbed off for a guy that scored one and assisted one um, is great for me personally. Um, and Buemo is solid, but will always be a second fiddle striker to Ivan Tony. And Antonio could break down at any moment. So I think, you know, solid in defense, mids are potential. You know, Sterling could have a brace any game. Um, Ericsson played the full 90 minutes, which I personally wasn't expecting to happen. No, me neither. Grealish, um, likewise, played the 90 minutes, um, which I wasn't impressed with him last year. Um, so his mids are okay, but yeah, it's his forwards that he needs to improve for mine. Yeah. But we've already said Fords are going to be a challenging one to actually find bodies, you know, who are still available, who are playing. So I think for me, like uh, in his midfield, Fraser and Gallagher, like he could probably look at maybe doing some swapsies there, trying to bring in some bodies who might be playing a few more minutes. Fraser might get some more minutes, but I, I hope Gallagher does because he's such a good player. But uh, at the moment, I think he might find more joy just in his midfield, just trying to get some bodies playing 90 minutes in there. Um Hopefully Antonio's got some better fixtures coming up as well. Obviously he benched him because they're playing City. So realistically, you know, they've got Forest, Brighton, Villa, Spurs coming up the next four. So he could be a shout, potentially getting a few more points. Um, but yeah, defense solid. So anything else to add there, boys? Will we? No, I think that's pretty that. much it, yeah. Um, the only one I really see is a, a weak link is Gallagher. I just don't expect to see him starting anytime soon. Um, based on the, like Dave said, yeah, sure, the, the forwards might be a little bit weak, but with the pool that's out there, you, you take the risk on Firmino, I think. Antonio, you ha someone has to take. He's not going to be sitting there. Same with Mbomo. Yeah. At least Mbomo is going to get him two points more often than not. Um, yeah. He'll rack up shots. He'll probably hit the post more pretty often. Um, but I, I think overall, like, it, it's hard to judge off one round. I, I oh, think yeah. I, I'd be still relatively happy with how he's drafted. Um, I think 
he's can make improvements. Um, it's just a matter of making sure he doesn't fall too far behind, but I don't think he will. I think same as last year um, without having a go at Gilby this time, but he started really well last year. I don't think it was by poor choice. It's just, he's they had really good, the, the people he picked performed really well at the start and then they stopped performing quite as well. That's all it was. Yeah. So it might be a case of he picked a good team. They just didn't perform really well for round one. So I think it's worth giving them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. I wouldn't be going through and I know one of our other managers have said they've got nine trades lined up already. Now I'm assuming there's nine options to remove one player type thing, but I don't see that much depth. I think a lot of our draft is going to remain this year, um, which hopefully means that's more trading between our managers, which we haven't really had a lot of previous years. Yeah. Well, let's move one rung up the ladder. Let's talk about uh, Craney. So, Mick, if you would, I don't know if you've got it there, but could you give Craney some good news? Now, he's, he's obviously got a little bit of a gap between himself and Ben and, and you. Uh, what, what, who are the standout players? Where can he maybe have some improvements? Um, I guess his best performers, uh, Target in the back line for Newcastle, uh, Sun and Bamford both got five and Mendy and goal for seven. Target got eight. So yeah, there's 20, 25 of his 34 points. Like a lot of us, there was a fair few ones around. So Van Dijk, Pulisic, Ben Rama, McKenna, Ings. Um, Habits got two. So I think a big win for Craney was Danny Ings started over Watkins. I don't know whether that's going to continue quite as much. Um, but it's while it is happening, hopefully he can make the most of it. Um, Bamford returning to form and getting an assist straight away and leads – looking relatively good. Uh, I know that it was Wolves they played, but they won 2-1 and had some decent go forward. Um, it's one of those that his team's pretty solid. Um, Stones, did he play at all? No, he didn't. So I think they went Nathan Ake and Diaz yeah. through the guts. So that could be one that he could look to trade out. Alonso, I think, has strong rumours he's leaving. He's on the that, way out, yeah. Is that be another Barcelona, probably... though? Oh. So is he going to go to Barcelona? Won't get uh, registered anyway. I, everything I've read says he will. Um, but yeah, I mean, well, there's a number of things that I would probably be looking at with Cranny's team. But I mean, he's a he's a new guy to the league, and I think he's done really well with his start. Yeah. Um, and then Sinistera when he comes back, like, is it worth holding him? How long is he going to be out? It's hard to say. Um, basically, the, the biggest things I would say for for uh, Cranny's team is Stones might be worth looking to trade out. And personally, I'm always one that I prefer um, not differentiation. I can't think of the word, but splitting your assets. So he's got Sinistera and Bamford there. So maybe looking at a way, because if Leeds don't perform, there's two of his attacking players that won't go well. So Sinister. trying to diversify is what I would say is the word I was looking for. Um, Sinistera's Dorito of death says he's due back on the 13th of this month. So pro probably worth holding then because that means... He'll likely, if there's a press conference coming up, um, they'll likely mention it in the lead up so he can make some changes if that is happening. But I think overall, pretty good start. Um, hasn't been yep. disgraced by any stretch. So hopefully he can hold on and continues. Very good. Well, that leads us to the next one up the ladder. That's uh, Gilby. So Gilby, like I said, you know, you're maybe a bit underwhelmed by your start. 41 points. You're only 
four points off second at this point in time. It's early in the season. I think that's a good position to be because you get to pick up a fairly decent player if you want to in the free agency. So run us through your team quickly and and then let us know where are you thinking your improvement might come from. Yeah, no, I was pretty solid. Um, at Chilwell Ward Prowse, my two top scorers with nine. Uh, De Bruyne and Madison, both pretty good, six and five. Uh, Pope with a shutout at the back with six. Other than that, appearance points. So the underwhelming part for me, I was pretty certain that Doherty would get the starting spot over Royal, and he didn't. Uh, Royal started. Uh, he Some of his comments since have been that he may stay with that team, but he does rate Doherty as his first choice. Whether or not that'll start to happen when European yeah. fixtures come in, I don't know. That's a tough one for me. Yeah, Conte um, sort of did what got one over us there because it's yeah. all everything pointed to to two different wingers, wing backs starting. So he got us. Yep. He, did, he did well. Yep. So there's that, and he's also signed Spence, uh, right wing back from Forest. So people are saying, well, which of the three do you take? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I find myself contemplating a handcuff and maybe going for um, uh, Royal, which would be a tough choice to make because then I'd be stuck. And if I did say I picked Doherty um, as my starter, if he plays, I'm, if he doesn't play at all, zero minutes, great. I get to roll off my bench. But if it happens that he did this time, like Doherty played three minutes. So I could handcuff that position and be left with someone playing five minutes. So that could be real painful. The, the handcuff doesn't seem to work quite as well um, in this game, purely because any appearance fees uh, fees will just push you completely out. Yeah. So, Sorry. Yeah, Especially the other, with the increased subs. Yeah. Yeah. The other the other painful one, obviously, like well, like um, is one we've already hinted at with Watkins uh, not getting the start and Ings getting it. Again, I was confident that Watkins would be the solid one of my strikers. So the fact I've now got all three of my strikers in trouble with appearances uh, is something I'm not happy with. Um, but yeah, I mean, I did draft a little bit this year with a bit more flexibility in mind. So I'm happy with a good core there. Um, and yeah, I'm open to me making a few moves and really fingers crossed that Ronaldo stays. That's going to be went... the big defining factor of the first few months of my season, really. You went for the wrong Brighton player, Gilby. Yeah, I still think Trissard in the long run is going to be worth more points than Gross. Um, and I know Welbeck did score, and um, yeah, that was a that was tough. I did contemplate Welbeck, but I just couldn't bring myself to do it. I thought Alvarez would be a steal there. Um, I've got as much as I would love to see Han on full flight. I think he is going to be injured for a good six to ten games, and I think Alvarez will worth his worth his weight in gold. The only drawback then is I have to hold him for weeks like this, where it's one or zero. So I really need one of my strikers to play reliably. Um, that's a tr that's a weakness for me. Yeah, but even then, even if only one is playing reliably, that puts a hell of a lot of a reliance on your other positions, and it takes away your flexibility to stream your defenders, for example, and play the fixtures if you know that you're going to have two benched forwards sitting there not getting you anything every week that you can't really get rid of. Yeah, it's a tough one. Um, 
I, I'm willing to wait with um, to see what that starting position is. I mean, uh, as Mick said, I'm willing to take a bit more risk this month uh, in the knowledge that the transfer window is still open. And uh, fingers crossed Ronaldo is there and Watkins locks up the starting position and a few more things are a bit clear and Doherty's got his starting position back. If I'm wrong, then I'm more than happy to transfer out a few people there, uh, which is why I kind of picked Ward Prowse there um, pretty high up because I think if Southampton could do anything, he needs to be hit this season. So I do have a few really solid core um, and I'm kind of co copying a little bit about um, like Isaac's successful strategy before where he's had a core and then been a lot more aggressive with transfers than I have been and transferred out people I would never have. So... I'm a lot more willing this season to transfer and look at offers from other managers as well. So should be fun. So really quickly, Tomiyasu, Kanate, are they on the chopping block this week? Yes, no? Tomiyasu isn't. Kanate is. Okay. There as we, someone we... who's been burnt by Tomiyasu literally the entirety of last <laughs> season, I look forward to seeing how this plays out. Well, given they picked Ben White in his position, um, I think that that position is open for Tomiyasu to come in. And I really think Arsenal are going to have a good season. So I am more than willing to hold him for at least a few weeks. And yeah, um, we'll see how that goes. And then in September, we'll all be either laughing or crying. Well, let's now have a bit of a look at uh, the next run up, fifth on the table. So we get to Dan's team now. Um, you could, you could excuse me for saying, but I feel like Dan's got a bit of a nosebleed being this high up at this point in time. He didn't have a great season last season. Sorry, Dan, if you're listening, but, you know, um, it, you've started pretty well, 42 points, you know, one point in front of Gilby, looking pretty good. Um, Dave, have you got the team there? Did you want to run through really quickly who the star performers were in Dan's team this week? Uh, I do have the team here. Excellent. Um, star performers. Maybe Mick would like to enlighten us around oh. Potence scoring 10 points. For what a handball. Well, I only noticed this earlier. Yeah, a little bit of controversy. <laughs> um, where, and oh, there's no log to see when it happened, but there was a trade made post-draft uh, pre-first round um, where literally trade out a uh, midfielder that was injured, Harry Wilson. Um, Fulham traded yeah. out and he picked up Potence. Potence ended up scoring 10 points. Um, we kind of agreed. I think it was, really. it was Jeff. Oh, I mean, it was because <laughs> someone was injured. Fair. Absolutely. Um, but I think I think I said this on the pod last week that I think between our entire teams, because we did have to draft early, there was about 13 injured players across all of our teams. So most of us had one. Um, and we all kind of said, well, we'll leave it there and, not deal with it because I know we've spoken about Calvert-Lewin a few times, but Jeff has him and he's injured again. He says, I'm not holding him. Um, so that's Jeff brought it up, said, oh, can we trade out? We kind of said no. Um, we saw well, one had already gone through. For Maybe all we that's know, the answer to Gilby's uh, lack of forward <laughs> situations. So Do a trade I'm, with Jeff and bring in Calvert-Lewin who's injured. <laughs> But so, for all time's sake. But we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe that trade had already gone through before Jeff had asked. Um in, in fairness to him, though, he had Harrison on the bench for six points anyway. So it wasn't a 10-point swing. It was only a four-point swing. Um, and this very similar thing happened last year with Nathan and Ben who made a trade because we do a manual draft and then we had to do the online draft. And then 
Nathan picked up Kane despite the fact that Ben should have had Kane and then Kane did well in the first round and then Nathan got the point anyway. No, Ben got the point, sorry, not Nathan, but Nathan didn't need him in there when he and he won anyway. So that's what it is. It's only a four-point difference, not going to make that much difference. Um, and if anything, all it's done is cost him one spot to Gilby on the waivers this week. So if a good three good players come in, it only cost uh, only hurts him. So other than uh, yeah. opponents, um, it was pretty barren for Dan, except for his defenders. So um, Diaz with six and Walker with six. So um, there was a bit of a question mark around Walker and his playing minutes, but he also picked up Cucurella, which was rumoured um, the rumoured move. And so he kind of had a bit of a handcuff there, but it's turned out okay if Walker can continue his um run and stay in the starting lineup. And if Cucurella gets pl- decent playing minutes at Chelsea, um, that could work out really well for him. Um, but for me, the big, big plus side for him was Saliba. So he's been at Arsenal for three years, gone out on loan for all of the last three years. And people have been questioning when this kid's going to get a chance. He got his chance and he was men of the match. So yeah, really good pick up there. As to how valuable he'll be in terms of fantasy, I don't know because I don't get the impression he'll be putting through those final assist through balls or getting too far up the pitch for many um, goals and assists. But he scored eight in week one, so if he does that continuously, then, yeah, that's that's gold. Yeah. And I think what's, what's good for Dan is that he's had – Players like Jesus, Diaz, you could even throw Rashford into the category who have just underperformed as well. Like you would expect that they're going to get good points. So he's probably sitting in a pretty good position with a fairly good team there as well. Um, is there anywhere we think he might look to strengthen at this point in time? Or she should he just be very content with, with his team or where he's at? I'm always wary to make rash decisions after one game week. Hmm. Um, but... I mean, regardless of that philosophy, um, you know, there's a few things that he can look at. He can look at um, potentially Dallo. I mean, Solanke will be probably a two points each game week player, but what are the options? Richarlison, I steered clear of him in the draft. Um, He's got... Uh, an issue when it comes to picking up yellow cards, but also I don't know how he is going to regularly fit into what looks like an incredibly strong Tottenham team. But I can't really see anywhere in Dan's team that he needs urgent attention. Yep. Hey, that's good news. That's where you want to be after the first game week, that's for sure. Um, so, Dave, I'll quickly go through your team because you are the next up the ranks. So you've uh, got one more point than Dan. So looking at your team uh, at this point in time, we have your best performers being uh, Darwin, James, uh, your biggest and best being Zinchenko uh, with a, a haul of 12 points. It's always good to get in the double digits, which is great. And then you've sort of just got your appearance points uh, from uh, the rest of your players are shut out from St. Maximum. So Botman, I know only played one minute, which I'm sure you would have been a bit disappointed in. Um, Dave, you've got to be pretty happy with that start, considering Kane did nothing. Uh, Odegaard, you know, will he get a few more assists and things? We'll have to wait and see, but uh, you've got to be pretty happy. 
yeah, what were my three words at the start? I know two of them were frustrated and optimistic, and that pretty much sums things up. So Fabianski got injured early on, um, and, yeah. okay, he was playing against Man City. I only expected two points, but he only got one. But thankfully, it looks like it's only a short-term injury. Uh, Botman was a late pickup in the draft for me in what I considered to be my um, more risky type drafting um, positions and I wasn't necessarily expecting him to hit the ground running. Uh, so, you know, yes, one minute was frustrating, but the reality is um, he'll he will get game time. certainly get more game yeah. time. Yeah. Similarly for Perisic, although the thing that's um, slightly concerning there is Sessegnon had a great game. Um, Good goal, yeah. Odegaard, okay, he's in the middle of everything and Arsenal played brilliant, so got to be optimistic about that. St. Maximin passed the eye test, looked great. Um, Kane will score points. My big dilemma in the draft was whether or not to go with Kane or Haaland and, you know, one game week in, uh, you don't make, you know, season-long um, predictions or whatever yeah. this this early on um but harlan's looking like it would have been a good decision at this point but you know kane will score me points and darwin came off the bench for 40 minutes scored one got an assist and was doing enough to get a bonus point as well so um i think all of those players are likely to you know pick up decent points moving forward um on on the bench Jensen would have been nice if he'd have, you know, stuck around for a few extra minutes. Not that it mattered for me anyway, but, um, you know, Cresswell score points. He's a long-term proven asset. Um, and I'm optimistic around Samaka. Um, but again, I drafted him under the impression or under the thought that he's going to work his way into the season. I didn't expect him to hit the ground running. But yeah, I'm I'm optimistic, and if I'm being open and honest with everyone, the only place that I'm really thinking about moving from is potentially Lingard. Um, but I'm going to give him another week, and I'm going to watch the Nottingham Forest game fairly intensely to see actually what impacts he's having. If he's just, you know, making up the numbers in midfield, I won't hesitate to get rid of him. But if he's, you know, running everything and pulling strings and putting through through balls, he's likely to get given an extra chance. How kind of you, Dave? How kind? Just a that's burnt me in the path, person. though, hasn't it? And Gilby <laughs> mentioned it as well that you are the master of being ruthless and moving people on and picking up improvements where they're there to be taken. Yeah. And I've admitted I need to learn the lessons of that. But it is only game week one. Yeah. I'll give him game week two, and then I'll start to see whether or not things are an anomaly or whether it's going to be the trend for a longer yeah. period of time. Uh, what, that's a watch this space. I'll be keen to see how you progress with that one because, yeah, it's, yeah, it can be good to be ruthless, but we're one game week in. Overall, 
Yeah, frustrating. There's a few ones, but incredibly optimistic. Very, very good. Well, it's time to look uh, at our next run-up. So that is third place with Jeff, 44 points, one more point. Uh, Gilby, have you got the team there? Would you be happy to run us through how Jeff got on? Sure, yeah, well, this will be quick. Uh, Salo is the man, as he always is, uh, 12 points. Uh, Jeff had some really good drafting at the back there. Um, I was annoyed that he picked up a few players I would have liked to have. Trippier I had with my next pick, and he sharked him then. So, yeah, Trippier was really, really good. Um, Kula Bali uh, looked like he needs a bit more fitness to be able to play in that system. But, again, yeah, like if Chelsea have a good season, you know he's going to play most games. So that was good. Ben White, uh, five points, whether or not he plays every game. As Dave said, if Saliba is their new centre-back, maybe. Uh, if Tomiyasu does come back and play right-back, does White then take the spot, one of the spots in the centre he did last season? I don't know, but well, that's going to be a tough one for him. So, yeah, I mean, the main one is going to be injuries. If I look at Jeff's team, there are three red Doritos of death. Uh, Diego Jota, uh, just 27th of August. Michael Elise, the Crystal Palace kid, 20th of August. Uh, but the main one is my old friend DCL back on the 17th of September, allegedly, but that will turn into the 17th of October and then December and then so yeah. forth from Break uh, his Adnorsium. pinky toe and then his other pinky toe, yeah. Yeah, well, all I saw... Roll an ankle uh, in the catwalk. Uh, you know, all I saw was it... All, all I saw was a headline. I refused to read the article even. It said, Alan Calvert-Lewin... <laughs> freak injury so i was like that's all i need to know it's over <laughs> like so <laughs> jeff has jeff is the manager that has nine trades lined up uh, i believe most of them are up front i'll be very interested to see whether he's prepared to hold jota being a liverpool fan because i know that's one that a lot of people are debating uh obviously in the real game unlimited transfers uh go for it but in a draft game um he was great for me last season even though he is open to rotation and did get injured a bit. That's going to be a very interesting one to see whether or not Jeff is prepared to part with him this early. Uh, yeah. But I know DCL is on the block big time. Um, <laughs> so it's just which one you go for. But Jeff would be overjoyed that Salah is up and running. And if Salah's up and running, you know Jeff's going to be there at the end of the season. We're talking about how hard it is to find one forward. If he replaces DCL and Jota, he's got no chance. And I think you keep Jota over DCL every day of the week, especially with the injury he's currently got. So, yeah. and Liverpool fan or not, I he's not dropping Jota. You just you the, the thing with him is you need to commit to playing him every week and take the starts when they come. And Jesus, although he didn't get an attacking return, looked incredible and did everything except a return. So, yeah, having Inketia come on for seven minutes as your only playing forward is concerning for Jeff, to say the yes, least. Yes, I mean, well, I mean, I think Jeff doesn't really mind with Salah. I think that was his main objective of the draft, and he was overjoyed to get him. So, yeah, I mean, Jeff's always um, going to be in with the shout as long as Salah yeah. has a good season. i got to assume Smith Rowe's on the chopping block as well, realistically. Like, you just can't see him getting into that side at the moment, How given how they're going, even though he's a, an incredible player. So you've got to assume that Smithrow is is on the way out as well, um, just so he can shore up that midfield, bulk it up, so that he can play maybe just the one forward, uh, to, you know, o- over the coming weeks until something else happens. So, yep. So Jeff will be active on the waiver wire, but yeah, Salah's <laughs> his man. 
Very, very good. Well, let's jump into second place. So that means we are looking at Nathan. One more point on 45. So uh, Mick, if you wouldn't mind, let's have a look at uh, how Nathan went. Defending champion first week back. How's he gone? Um, so Nathan's points this week. Let's make sure I've got the right one. No, that's yours. 45. <laughs> so he's got Ramsdale got him six. Dyer got him eight. Martinelli got him eight. Welbeck, seven. Vardy, five. Um, and then Mountain Rodri for three, which you don't normally celebrate threes, but I don't know about you guys, but I feel like we've said a lot of one-pointers today. So you take three every day of the week. Um, yeah. He did have one from the tip, which, I mean, going into that round, that's probably the one you'd expect he's going to get two points, particularly because it was for conceding two goals against um, Fulham, not for a yellow card. And then Laporte didn't play, which we kind of expected in the lead-up. Um, he's got Ricardo and Semedo both out. So he's actually got three defenders there with no, um, I guess, three defenders not playing. So you'd expect yeah. him to make some changes this week. Um he did have four nails on the bench. I think got him two points, but couldn't bring him in because he just didn't have the the space and his team couldn't play a legal formation. So I would expect Nathan this week will be making a trade regarding his defenders, which unlike forwards, you can always pick someone up and you can rotate that based on who has a good fixture. So yep. it's it's one that he may not find the, the hidden gem that will stay within all season, but he'll be able to find someone to rotate relatively well um it's just hard early in the season not knowing necessarily who the preferred lineups are yeah nathan uh, is a podcast listener and uh does take on board feedback from the podcast uh uses it to his advantage at times uh, as he did last season uh by winning the thing but uh he did uh listen to last week's where we said Rodri was a terrible pick and he called me and he said Rodri, solid three points. <laughs> he was he was pretty happy considering how many one point midfielders there were uh, last week. So you know, hey, the, See, the strategy. No. Well, all right, no, well, if, I wasn't... if if Nate's listening, then keep Rodri all season. <laughs> See how that works out for you. Yeah, I wasn't on there the podcast go. last week, so obviously I did not say that Rodri was a terrible pick, Nathan. But if I was on, I would have said that he was a terrible pick. So by all <laughs> means, keep him for the whole season. We, we haven't actually mentioned this yet, but have any of you guys looked into how the bonus points work this year and how there's actually been a slight change? Now, I know Gilby was because he's, he's a stats dude. And Dave's looking like, oh, damn, there was a change to it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very, very small. Very, very small. But there's now, based on the positions they play on the field, the number of – if they make more than, I think it's 30 passes – if they get something like a 90% pass accuracy, they get X amount, like eight bonus points. Okay, now the bonus points across the entire thing calculate who gets the three, who gets the two, and who gets the one. Now, I don't know if you guys have realized, but I think uh, Edison in the 2-0 win over West Ham, where I'm pretty sure Man City relatively dominated, Edison made one save, I believe. He still got a bonus point. So I don't know whether he made... 30 passes and they were all accurate, but Probably whether did. that caused him to get it. So there's actually now I'm not going this towards Edison, but a guy like Rodri, who is going to be the anchor of a lot of those passes and he's not going to play the uh, over the top might not hit the target balls will accumulate those really well. Now it's one point, maybe every couple of rounds. And as soon as you get a guy who scores a couple of goals, it's you're never going to get in there again. But in those one-all draws, if you get a lot of those accurate passes, you can actually accumulate points, 
which may make a guy like Rodri slightly more valuable than he normally was. Yep. Fair enough. No, look, good good pickup. Um, you gave Dave some knowledge he didn't have before, so expect Dave to pick up all the defensive midfielders in the next uh, few free agencies. So um, you're welcome, Dave. I was but... doing that already because I'm terrible at FPL. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know, Dave. We're glad that uh, the first step is admitting it. So well done. Um, okay, so let's jump into the last one. We're uh, we're doing well. So that would be um, my team. Fifty three points, um, boys. Who, who would anyone like to do the honor? I'm just going to put it out there. Would, would anyone? Gilby, please. Ah, uh, yeah. So you were terrible. Let's move on. Um, so <laughs> I wish that were true. Um, unfortunately, you've uh, got away to a great start this season. Uh, Kulisevsky with 13 points was your main man. Um, Harland, obviously, we've already talked about with 13 points. Looks like he started as a, like a house on fire. Um, but, I mean, the other ones I'm holding on to is that was mainly appearance points for the rest of it. Um, other than Tony, who got on the board up front, and Gabriel at the back, you pulled the right rein with the Arsenal centre-back, which was a tough call to make. So, yeah, I mean, when I look at your team, the interesting one would be Anthony Martial, whether or not you're prepared to hold him, given that Mix already identified the lack of depth in the forwards available. So I'll be interested to hear what your thoughts are there as well and whether or not you think it's worth potentially looking at, I mean, we already identified your mids are really, really strong. I'm sure you're happy with that. Whether or not you are looking at any other moves with your defenders in particular. Because when I look at your defenders, you've got a lot of centre-backs. And are you looking at rotating for fixtures or are you happy there? So two questions, Marshall and defenders. Um, I'll start with the defenders. Probably maybe looking to ship out a defender or two. Probably starting with Diego Carlos, I would say. Villa haven't looked very good. Um, I was happy picking up centre-backs. Solid starters, in my opinion, if you can pick them. Um, Now that we've got at least one week's worth of data to know who some of the other starters are in the other teams, can start looking at where I might pick up some points. So potentially might make a a change there. Um, In terms of Martial, um, I haven't really made a decision there, to be honest. Uh, I've Thought it was only like a one-week thing, but it could be worse. So potentially, maybe. I don't know if they're going to pick up another striker in the transfer market. Uh, I hope they don't pick up Anatovic for your sake, Gilby. Um, so, yeah, I, I haven't really looked, to be honest, at this point in time. I know that there's probably more depth in the defenders and the midfielders at this point. So I might just... Uh, I'm, I'm happy to maybe wait another week or two, it- just depending. Knowing the way Isaac drafted, you've got Avan Tony, Harland, Martial's your outright third striker. I don't think there's any question at the moment, at the moment yep. with the way things are. We also know that Isaac had picked up his five mids by round six of the draft. Why carrying Martial is not harming him in any way right now. I think while the transfer window is still open and there's any chance Ronaldo leaves, you keep him. There's no way you drop him. Yes, there might be a little bit of an injury, but if he becomes the outright man-new striker, he's got five midfielders that are six, like round six picks or higher. 
effectively Martial would be the equi- I'll say the equivalent of Ronaldo and don't take that out of context um, <laughs> but he is the starting striker for Manchester United with Rashford with uh, Sancho Bruno Fernandes Ericsson those four guys in behind as well as Alango as well there is too much quality there to to drop him now I don't think there's any risk when you compare that we've already been over Jeff's forward line where he's got Enketia as his only starting forward right now. Oh, sorry, only playing forward, I think. The only one that got him any points. I would prefer to have Martial than Enketia every day of the week. I would take any one of Isaac's forwards over any one of Jeff's forwards right now. So that's where I'd be at. Yep. Now, I don't know whether Jeff's going to hear this and talk to Isaac and be like, hey, you've got forwards. I don't. Let's make a trade. But... I would be. Why not? You're so he's so strong through the forwards, even though he picked up one first round and not another one until round seven or after. Uh, I think as draft managers in this game, we like to remember back to you know previous seasons where a player's done really well for us as well. And so I still remember Martial when he had that like purple patch of form, which like more or less me picking him up when I did in that year, like won me the league or went a long way in winning the league. Like I know what we know what Martial is capable of. It's really just a matter of will they pick up another striker and does Ronaldo go? I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, Gilby, but I'm sure that Ten Ten Hag probably really wanted Martial to be there to start because that was in his plans for the majority of preseason. So it would have been a bit of a, um, uh, he would have been quite upset the fact that Martial got injured when he did because he would have wanted him to start as that, starting forward, I'd guess. Yeah, well, I think you saw that when he picked Ericsson to be his striker because he built his team around a fluid front three uh, when Ronaldo wasn't available. I think he was kind of planning that Ronaldo wouldn't be available and maybe bringing him on late and expecting he may leave. So I think he's probably got two systems in mind, the system with Ronaldo and the system without Ronaldo. So one of the, which one of those two systems actually has to play is up in the air. Yeah, no, fair enough. So, yeah, I think you're right in your analysis, Mick. I think really happy with my forwards. Don't really have to stress too much at this point in time. It might be different if like, I had a sticker of a first round and was like dead last or something. If there was a good option, you might think about it. But I think right now I'll probably just sort of sit for a little bit of time and maybe just concentrate on the defenders and getting them a little bit stronger. I How think... long do you... Oh, you go, Mick. Yeah. Sorry, I was just going to say one thing, and it's not something I would necessarily change in your team, but... Richarlison's no longer suspended. How does that yeah. change Kulisevsky? I, I wouldn't. Ex- obviously, you weren't expecting 13 points every round anyway. But with, I still think he's going to be the starter. I think Richarlison will be the equivalent of Jota, who will be off the bench and being helping. But we've already mentioned the right wing back spot. Kulisevsky has played there before. If he does want Richarlison, Kulisevsky could go further back, which still he has a, a assist points, but he's not going to necessarily be the goal threat that he yeah. was on the weekend. At this point in time, I'm not worried about his starting position, especially even as a right winger. Like, if you saw him play or his highlights, like, man, that guy's good. Like, so confident on the ball, runs at defenders. The defender knows he's going to cut inside, but they just can't do anything about it. He's got so much time. He sees a pass. He's got such a good cross. Like, oh, like I think I said it last week. I'm really surprised that I picked him up as late as I did. Like he's he's a quality player, so I I'm not too stressed at this point in time. And again, that may change over the season, especially when Champions League and things like that sort of comes into play. But uh, I'm pretty happy to have him, and like 
the guy's the guy's a beast. Like he's he's just so good, so so good. So. Well, the only other question I probably have for you is Bernardo Silva is yeah, um, is looking ask. potentially linked yeah. as well. So that's going to be another one that we'll have to keep an eye on. I think we've all got mm. things that we're going to look at while the transfers in or transfers out. And yeah, I mean, going to be having that conversation in a few weeks. I mean, yeah, I mean in the past you've had um, Gundogan, Isaac, and he was yeah. brilliant for you. Yeah. you. You had him and I noticed that he had a good game again this time yeah. around, but Pepper Roulette and Bilver and Gundogan <laughs> and, you know, which one is it on any given yeah. day? Like, and, yeah. yeah. Everything pointed to Bernardo starting. Just like everything pointed to Mares starting, then all of a sudden Foden pops up and he hasn't played his preseason game with them. So Pep just likes to pull those surprises on you at times. Like, Gundogan, he got an assist, like he did well but he still made some really crucial errors. Like he gave the ball away really early, that, which almost led to a goal like in the first five minutes or something. Like he's he's prone to a few of those things where I don't think Bernardo is as much. So what the plan is there, I don't know. I'm still happy to keep him. I, I don't think I have to, you know, be too reactive at this point in time, especially having the last pick. Like again, maybe if I had a pick closer up, I might be like, okay, can I get a better midfielder who's going to score me more points? Um, but Right now, pretty content. Do we read into the fact that Gundawan was captain? I saw that too. Yeah, but I think every when he ever he's on the field, he is captain. So I don't I don't think it's a big deal. I mean, I look at the team and who else could it be? Um, Edison, Walker, Diaz, and maybe De Bruyne would be the ones that I'd say maybe could take it from him. Um, yeah. But I maybe Rodri. When, when I look at that, yeah, maybe Rodri. When I look at that team, I don't see Gundawan personally as the captain. Like I, I wouldn't say I'd say De Bruyne, maybe Diaz. They're they're the two that I would say. Okay, you most likely in terms of club captaincy, you could argue maybe Kyle Walker. He's been there that long. He's a stalwart of the club. Um, now, bit of a weird thing, and it, there was big rumor about Gundogan leaving. Is it a token gesture before he leaves? I don't no. think that's something they would necessarily do at this higher level. Do something no. for the sake of it. I, I think that if he was to leave, they they really don't have the depth that they need for Champions League as well. So I don't I don't think he'll leave. Um, they've they've still got Calvin Phillips, so they've got two holding oh, midfielders. True, and he played five minutes off the bench for Rodri. So I mean, you yep. could argue that they do have the depth. Um, you can always like if you play those two as a holding, Bernardo or, or Gundogan. And De Bruyne, for that instance, can all play that box-to-box or more attacking type role. Um, and then you've got Foden can even be that central attacking player. You've got uh, you've got your two strikers in Alvarez and Haaland. You've got Grealish out wide with Mahrez out wide. And then you've got all their young guys coming through. I think, it, is it Palmer and Makati or something like that? Yeah. Um, who you'd expect them to get some garbage minutes, so to speak, at end of games. So they've got the depth. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. I, I, it'll just be he always rotates, and we know he does. Um, so, right now, I, I, th- I know that at some point Bernardo will get a run of games, and generally, if he gets a run of games, it's because he's playing really well and he'll score well. So it just depends how long it takes for that to happen, and what my position is as to whether I need to be aggressive and get more people. So, right now, pretty happy to to hold him at this point in time. We'll just wait and see how he goes. So, um. That's where we're sitting at this point in time. I, I might just uh, sort of 
remind us uh, with the league table where we're sitting. So, um, Mick, first trade this week. Be interesting to see what you go. I'm sure Gilby will have uh, his 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 rating system ready for you to see if you've picked up a good one. So, um, you know that's the that's the beauty of it. We've got um, Ben in eighth, Craney seventh, Gilby in sixth, Daniel in fifth. Dave in fourth, Jeff in third, Nathan in second, and myself in first at this point, really early. Um, probably probably too early to call, do we think, at the moment, boys, uh, the, the the way this is going to end up? What do you reckon? Slight, slightly, slightly too slightly. early. Okay, all right. Maybe after next week. <laughs> maybe maybe after next week, right. Well, we'll re- revisit next week and see if we can get a, a, clear, a clear winner. So let's have a... Th- look maybe forward into the next game week, shall we? So game week two is on our doorstep. I'm just going to get the games here. We'll have a bit of a run through. As we usually do, we like to sort of say where we where we interest, where our interest lies, uh, be it just for a good game or for some fantasy points. So next week we've got Aston Villa, Everton. Won't that be a cracker? Uh, Arsenal, Leicester, Brighton versus Newcastle, Man City, Bournemouth, um, Southampton, Leeds, Wolves v Fulham, Brentford versus Man U, uh, Forest versus West Ham, Chelsea versus Spurs, and Liverpool versus Crystal Palace. So uh, I might go with Dave. Is there something there that catches your eye in those fixtures at this point in time? Yeah, we mm, chatted earlier about how we think uh, Leicester could be in a huge amount of trouble. Uh, we also touched on how good Arsenal looked early doors. Um, I honestly think it's going to be you know Liverpool and Man City will be up there and probably Tottenham in third but Arsenal there or thereabouts uh so I'm going to be interested in Arsenal Leicester I think it could be yeah one-way traffic good fantasy hall points for anyone with Arsenal assets um yeah we'll wait and see very good. Well, I'm going to go with uh, Brighton, Newcastle, two quality, like good quality mid-table teams who have been improving. Um, good attacks as well, like like to attack. Um, Brighton like to hold the ball. Newcastle might be a little bit more in transition and uh, willing to give away a bit of possession. So I think that could be a really good uh, that could be a really good game for some good fantasy points as well. So it'd be interesting to see if Brighton can continue the run and stay atop. The, the table currently. Uh, Gilby, where, where are your eyes drawn? Um, well, Brantford hosting Man United. Oh, Lord, do we need a win or at least a better performance? Um, that would be a really good start. But if I'm being honest, uh, the match I would really love to see is Southampton-Leeds. Uh, neither of those teams look solid at the back at all. So that is going to be goals. It's just a matter of who's going to score more. Uh, if you're going to tip a match for five or more goals that would be my pick because neither of them look like they can defend particularly well and yeah it's going to be maybe a three two or yeah. four two or something like that that's going to be fun to watch you've got to think Leeds are going to take that one right like they've got uh, you'd think they've got more attacking uh, threat it, it is if Bamford is fit and plays pretty well you probably go with that um but yeah I mean it's just one of those that Leeds is more than likely to score a few goals, but also likely to concede a few dumb goals too. Uh, Southampton, I mean, you could probably say the same thing. If Ward Press doesn't score, who's going to at this point? Um, so, 
yeah, it's going to be going to be tough. I think a few managers, I think Mick and yourself, both picked Southampton to be relegated. So this would be the type of match that they would really love to win. Because uh, a few other, lots of other people are saying, well, Leeds is particularly candidate. I put them up as candidate to go down as well. So an early important match and going to be yeah. fun to watch. I'm sure just like Nathan last year, they the, the boys at uh, Southampton listen to the podcast and are really angry and upset that we've said that they're going to get relegated. So, you know, um, all credit to them. I'm sure they'll bounce back strong. Uh, Mick, you get to round us out, out this particular podcast. Where are you going? Well, in my description, I'm going to go a little bit full circle. So the, the game I'm most intrigued by is Fulham Wolves, purely because I have uh, Wolves uh, in Neto and I have Mitrovic. Mitrovic scored two against Liverpool. I'm hoping he can do even better against Wolves, um, and I'm likely to start him this week. But the game that I'm actually most intrigued Good plan, by... Mick. Good plan. <laughs> the, the game I'm most intrigued by is actually Liverpool Palace. We, we've spoken about how good Pal- uh, sorry, Arsenal were. If you look at the stats, XG-wise, expected goals, Palace should have won that game. They expected goals of 1.2 to Arsenal's 1. So remember the second goal of the, the sorry the second goal was a deflected cross that got put in and quite a poor one to be honest his positioning was awful but yeah the Palace have looked really good so yes Arsenal are good but Palace have looked just as good and then you look at Fulham Liverpool Liverpool two all were lucky to get a result again Fulham should have won that on XG. 1.26 to 1.25. So it's tiny, tiny, tiny. It was a shot from behind halfway that split the difference. But it's one of those that I look at this game and it's not an easy win for Liverpool. So yeah. I think that that's one that could, in both our game and in the official game, could trip up managers. And I say that as a TAA owner, could really screw us up. The difference is, especially with XG, do they have the clinical finisher at Palace with Eduard, Mateta, and Zaha, you would argue no. But that could be the only striker worth taking in our league because Palace's strikers have not been picked up in our league. So if I'll put it out there right now, if I do make a trade this week, solid chance it'll be for that because, but the question is, does Eduard still start? And he only got 57 minutes. So if he gets a yellow card, you're still potentially going to get zero. So yeah, it's where whether I hold, but yeah, that that's the game I'm most looking forward to because I don't think it's as straightforward as it might suggest. A couple of things on Palace, um, they had a, a a different preseason in that the full squad wasn't together, so I think they'll start a little bit slower because of that. Um, they they probably don't have the quality finisher like you say but Benteke is not there anymore he's gone over to uh, DC United or whoever Washington DC um so you don't have to worry about there being three strikers they could possibly pick which is not uh, you know like you say they have got really good young quality players um like Eze should have scored Last week, like no doubt about it, his one-on-one, the keeper gets fed through by Zahar, should have scored that goal. If it was Zahar on the end of that, he probably would have scored it. Um, so wait and see. But I, I think that they're a smoky sort of team. Um, we've had some good wins against Liverpool in the past. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not crazy confident, but it, you know, I think it's going to be a good game nonetheless because I think Palace will take it to them just like Fulham were able to take it to them. So 
have to wait and see how it pans out. So good pick. Um, no one mentioned, well, we obviously mentioned that the game is happening, but no one sort of put their money on Chelsea Spurs, North London Derby. That's going to be another good game. It usually is. Um, so wait and see how that sort of pans out as well. Uh, boys, that seems like about it for today or th- this evening for us. Guys, thanks very much for uh, being with us and uh, all the best in the coming game week. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Thanks, guys. Good luck to everybody, except Isaac.